awesome was this worship that we just went through? That was so great. I love the promises that we heard. Jesus never fails. How great is that? And how great is the fact that Jesus is above every name? Anything that we may face, Jesus is the name above every name. And I'm going to be talking about uh, that and more. I will talk about diapers, all as part of my three-hour message here. No, 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 I won't be going on three hours. Uh, but I, I mentioned diapers because uh, Janae and I are in the uh, season of life of grandparents, and we are loving it. We've got six uh, grandkids right now, all under the age of three, and we've got a seventh one coming next month. So can I tell you my Christmas card next year is going to be seven swans a-swimming. We are so excited. So all these grandkids are wonderful. We love them, and we are in the diaper stage. We've got diaper changing stations in the basement, in the office, and up in the nursery. So if you've got a blowout and you're under the age of three, you come to our house, we'll take care of you. <laughs> so when we have all six of our grandkids with us over the course of a week, uh, we estimate that we have changed about, 20, about 200 diapers. So the best day is when all the grandkids are around, and the second best day is when the trash guy comes. <laughs> he takes all those diapers away, but we are thankful for them. I'm GP, Grandpop, and uh, my wife is Nene, and so we love when these little kids will call out our name. What a wonderful thing. And, you know, as I think about, uh, you know, us as Christians, the fact that when we call out to our God and our Father in heaven, he looks at us in the same way that I look at my grandkids with love and awe and wonderment. And God looks at you that same way because you are a child of God. And so I'm just so thankful to be a grandfather and enjoying this season of life. Uh, I do love working at Channel 13. I love my assignments of going to Olympics and all of that. Every good and perfect thing that has happened in my life is not a result of anything I've done. It's all the result of what God has done for me. And I'm quick to point that out, that God gets the glory for every good and perfect thing in my life because in the Bible, we see that. James 1:17. every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. God is responsible for all those good things in your life as well, and we need to thank him every day because he is the one who provided it. So even though my profession is TV news, my purpose in life is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing that all of us can be doing as Christ followers is sharing with others what God has done in our lives. And one of my constant prayers throughout the year is that, God, would you open up new doors for me to come and share my faith? So when Joey asked me to uh, come to Anderson today, to me, the answer is an automatic yes, because professing my faith in Jesus Christ is my purpose in life. It's your purpose as well. And so it's an honor to be able to come and, and speak uh, with you. And so I just love being able to talk about what God has done. So the fact that I am able to stand on a stage and, and talk with you this morning is a miracle in and of itself given what I have been through in my life. Because back a long time ago, back in the day when I had brown hair and I was doing sports in Palm Springs in Hawaii, I was dealing with panic attacks. Panic attacks that would uh, literally shipwreck my TV career and shipwreck my faith. Uh, so you got to use your uh, imagination here. So when I had brown hair 
and I was doing sports in Hawaii, I was dealing with these panic attacks that would rise up you know, during the, during the sports and viewers didn't know I was having these panic attacks because they're all internal, but I knew I was having them and they were bigger and more strong than any wave that would ever hit the North Shore of Oahu. And so with 10 years of dealing with panic attacks and having to always get up from the front row if I was in a concert or if I was at a basketball game and say, I need to go stand near the exit because that's where the panic attack goes away. That was a real struggle for me. And I accepted Christ when I was 12 at an overnight Christian camp in Southern California. And I knew that all I needed to do was ask God to take away these panic attacks and God would take them away. But it didn't happen that way because we all know that God's timing is different than the timing that we have. If it had been up to me, he would have snapped his fingers and the panic attacks would go away in one day, but that's not how it worked with me. I struggled with panic attacks for 10 long years. And during that 10 year span, I began giving up on God. I said that my, my faith was shipwrecked. I gave up. I couldn't understand why God felt like he was a million miles away and I was dealing with these panic attacks even though I was praying. I had forgotten the promises in scripture that God never, ever leaves us. He never, ever forsakes us. He goes through the valleys of life with us. He's holding us and I had forgotten that. I had forgotten it so much I stopped going to church, I stopped reading my Bible, I stopped praying on a regular basis because I had thought God could never heal me from these panic attacks. Boy, was I wrong. If you are praying for something now and have been praying for something for a long time, don't give up. Don't give up on God. Because as that song just said, Jesus never fails. He never, ever fails us. So remember that. But I ended up quitting a job in Hawaii. Who quits a job in Hawaii? I mean, come on now. Somebody who quits a job in Hawaii, me, was somebody who had given up on hope. I was hopeless at that point. And I moved Janae and I back. My faith was shipwrecked. I thought for sure there's no way I'm getting back on TV again. It'll never, ever happen. I moved back to Southern California where we grew up. I got involved in a men's Bible study a Bible study that helped lead me back into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. These guys prayed for me. We worked on my own prayer. I fell back in love with Jesus Christ. And I remembered the scriptures, the promises that God gives us to hold on to when we are going through storms in life. I learned a new way to pray, a new radical way of praying. And so, thank God that he provided that way out of Hawaii so I could get back into a relationship with God back in Southern California, back when I was outside of the TV news business. God reopened a door. After the panic attacks had subsided for five years, I didn't feel them anymore. I could come back into church, I could go to basketball games, I could go to movies, restaurants, without having panic attacks. And so I prayed, God, would you allow me to get back into TV news? And God opened up a door I was hoping for San Diego, and I got Indianapolis. <laughs> I had never been to Indianapolis. My wife's sister was here. Her family loved central Indiana. We moved here, and we loved it. Didn't love January and February as much, but we love central Indiana and have now spent 21 years here. 
I haven't had a panic attack since, and I give God all the glory for that. The two words that I hang on to as I read through scripture, as I think about that season of life, but God. You might think that you're heading in one direction, but God. God can step in and change your situation, can change where you are heading. He can change everything because our God is everything. But God, God stepped into my situation and provided an amazing job, 21 years of not having panic attacks. I give him all the glory for that. Then six years ago, I nearly died. I had just finished up a newscast. I had a bad stomach ache for about two weeks. And I sent my wife a text saying, it's getting really bad. And my wife sent me a text back all in cap saying, get to the hospital now. God often speaks through our spouses and I'm glad I followed her advice. And I went to the hospital and I learned that I was bleeding internally. I learned that I had a rare autoimmune disease that I didn't know that I had, but it attacks small arteries as if they are foreign objects in your body. And one of my arteries down near my stomach burst. I was bleeding internally. Doctor said I lost somewhere between two and four liters of blood that day. I was bleeding to death. My blood pressure caved. It was now 50 over 30. I was listed in critical condition. I loaded up into the ambulance. I couldn't hear what the paramedics couldn't really hear what they were saying, but I felt the peace that God talks about in the Bible, the peace that surpasses all understanding. God's presence was in that ambulance with me, and by the time I got to the hospital, the doctor who welcomed me into the ER, he was astounded to learn that the bleeding had actually stopped on its own. How do you explain that? Now, as a Christ follower, I believe that God healed me in the back of that ambulance. That can only be the healing of God. That was six years ago. I go back for scans every year, no sign of disease. How do you explain that? The doctor himself says there's no good medical explanation for it, but I believe God healed me, and God's given me time to talk about his healing power, his faithfulness, his goodness, the forgiveness and the hope that we all need. And so for, for me, God's turned my tests into a testimony, and I'm just so thankful for that. And what I've learned in my 60 years is that the hope that we're all looking for isn't found in the things of this world. Our hope isn't found in how much money we make. It's not found in how big our checking or savings account is. It's not found in politics. It's not found in having a nice car or a big house. Our hope is only found in one thing, in the person of Jesus Christ. That is the hope that your heart is aching for today. And so if you come into this place burdened and feeling like you've got the weight of the world on you and life looks pretty dark, let me remind you about who God is. Jesus Christ is the hope that you are looking for. Now, even though I've been a Christian since I was 12, I haven't always made Jesus the number one priority in my life. I admit that over many, many years of my TV career, TV became the number one focus of my life. Sure, I would show up on Sunday and praise God for what he's done, and then I'd go back to work, and work would become everything to me. 
Wednesday night, Janae and I would go to a couple study. I'd be talking with God then and then leaving him on the shelf as I continued the rest of my week. That's such a wrong way of looking at life because God loves you. He wants to be involved in every area of your life. He wants you to come to him with every burden that you may end up caring throughout the day. That was a a pretty bad way of living for me. So looking back and looking back at those panic attacks that God saved me from, that near fatal bleeding incident that God saved me from, those two miracles changed me and gave me a testimony. And so now Jesus is the most important person again in my life. My mission in life is really boils down to four words. Point people to Jesus. That's what John the Baptist did, right? He had people following him and yet he saw Jesus and he's like, look, the Lamb of God pointing people to Jesus. That's what we need to be doing as Christ followers. It's not about us. It's not about anything that we've done. It's about what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. Pointing people to Jesus is my mission statement for life. And I've been able to strengthen my own spiritual life by doing really three things. Number one is changing the way that I pray. Also getting into God's word every day and being reminded of who God is and then playing praise music all day long, not just on Sundays. This praise music was awesome. I love this today. And it's important that we make that the soundtrack of our lives. Don't just let it be only on Sunday that you praise God through Christian music. Praise him all week long. Turn on Christian music all the time. You know, let me talk talk to you about my prayer life because for too long, my prayer life looked like this. Dear God, help me with A, B, C, amen. I would often pray that way as I was drifting off to sleep at night. God wants so much more. He wants to be in a conversation with us. He sees us. He knows us. He knows our every thought. We need to go ahead and be talking to him, having this conversation with Almighty God. That's available for us. So what I needed to do was change how I prayed. And so these guys in this men's Bible study that I was with in Southern California, we all went through a book, learned how to pray a different way. It was a model for me, an acronym, if you will, called Acts Plus L. It helped me guide my prayer life and become more dynamic as I was praying. So instead of starting with my prayer requests, I start with adoring who God is because that's the A in the Acts Plus L model. Adoring who God is, praising him for how awesome he is, the fact that his word is beautiful, the fact that he's holy, when I, start with, when I start with adoration in my prayer, God becomes huge because our God is huge and our problems are small by comparison. So I start with adoration. Then I move into confession because I'm a sinner. I sin every day. And so out loud, I pray during my prayer time after adoration, I spend time confessing to God all the sin in my life. Now I know as a Christ follower that I'm forgiven. And I know that I'm free, that Jesus took all of my sin to the cross and said, it is finished. So I'm thankful for that, but I need to confess that sin out loud. Then I spend time in Thanksgiving, thanking God for all the things in my life. My wife, who's now two years cancer-free, which I'm thrilled about. And my kids and grandkids, I'm so thankful. So I talk out loud all the things that I'm thankful for in my life. 
And then I get to the things and the people in my life that I'm praying for. That comes toward the end of my prayer. And then I listen for the leading of the Holy Spirit because we know as Christ followers, the Holy Spirit lives in us. He's the advocate, he's the counselor. He is the third person of the Trinity. He leads and directs us. And so it's so important for us to do that. So if you're interested in spending more time in adoration during your prayer life, let me give you some descriptions of God that you can go ahead and use during that time. God imagined you. He designed you. He created you. He is your heavenly father. He has seen every moment of your life. He gave you every breath that you have been given. He knows your every thought. He knows every hair on your head. He understands you better than anyone. He consistently thinks about you and he's got great plans for your life. He pursues you. He wants your heart. He provides peace. He offers grace and forgiveness when he's asked. He's patient. God celebrates you. He loves hearing your voice. He loves hearing your prayers. God's perfect. Our God is holy. He's approachable. He's your redeemer. God is your sustainer and God is your strength. He's your shepherd. He's your uh, protector. He's your comforter. He sees every tear that's fallen. He's compassion. God's in control. God is sovereign. He is everywhere. He never ever leaves you. He walks through darkness with you. He carries you and he cares for you. God is almighty. He is faithful. He is unshakable. God is awesome. He's above it all. He is love. He sent his son to die on the cross for you and me. He sent his Holy Spirit to guide you and live inside of you because God wants to be in relationship with you because God wants to spend eternity with you. That is your God. And so don't you see when we go ahead and describe God in all that he is and more, how God is huge. And so when I start my prayer with those kinds of descriptions, God becomes huge in my life because God is huge. And then my problems become really small. I love that. And then after adoration, as I mentioned, I spend time confessing and God tells us to confess Listen to this, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You may be sitting here going, well, Scott, that, he, God could never forgive me for what I've done. The Bible tells you, if you confess, he will forgive. That is one of the great promises in Scripture. And we need to be thankful. God tells us, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We need to be in this attitude of gratitude every day for what God is doing. And when we listen for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. Again, the Bible says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit comes in and leads us in life. I'd say the second thing that has really helped me in my walk with God over my life is getting into the Bible. Because there was that time, like I said, when I was in Hawaii where God felt like he was a million miles away, 
God hadn't moved, I had. I wasn't spending time in church. I wasn't spending time reading the Bible. I wasn't spending time praying. The Bible is an active, it's active, it's alive, it is working in our lives. If we would just open it, we would see what God has to say to you and to me. Spend time in God's word. Pay attention to what he's saying. Here's how, I think another thing that I've done when I look at God's word and how it's worked in my life is thinking back to my own parents. Mom and dad had this great ability to model a Christian marriage by doing a couple of things. Dad, when I would ask him for help or advice, dad would bring out his Bible, bring it off the shelf, and he'd say, Scott, here's what God has to say. And he'd point to a verse, and he'd give me the truth that God gave. Not what dad said, but what our heavenly father says. I love the fact that dad always, when I would ask for advice, would point to scripture. He wanted me to know what God has to say. And mom, who was a longtime third grade teacher, actually kept adjectives, descriptions of God, A through Z. And she would pray in that way. She knew God intimately and was a prayer warrior for us. And so the idea of spending time every day in, God, in God's word prompted me to write a daily devotion that I published on social media. And now I'm in the process of putting the, it actually into a book devotional, and I'm excited about that. But it's all about pointing to who God is, the fact that Jesus is our hope, and putting scripture in there. That's the point of getting in there and really knowing who God is. I close with these five S's. Since my, my name is filled with S's, these are some of the things that I try to do every day to draw closer to who Jesus is and to live out the purpose that he's given me. The first S is this idea of seek him first because I can tell you the times and the years of my life where I was seeking Scott first didn't work out well for me. Seeking God first is what all of us as Christ followers need to be doing. And so if God feels like he's a million miles away, it may be that he has not moved, of course. It may be that you and I have moved. So when we move closer to God and seek him first with all of our heart, we're told in scripture that we'll find him. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The second thing is to sing to him. Don't allow Christian music to be absent from the rest of your week until you get back to Sunday morning here. Make sure that Christian music is part of your work day, your play day with your kids. I put it on when I'm unloading the dishwasher and I'm weeding in the garden. I keep it on all the time to remind me of the promises of God. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Psalm 13, 6. Third, surrender. I think too many times we end up moving through our day and in our week as if we're on a Kings Island roller coaster and holding on to that lap bar and just trying to hold on for dear life. God doesn't want that for you. We need to surrender. So instead of having a white knuckle approach to life, we need to turn those palms upside down and open them and to say to God, I can't do this, but I surrender this to the cross. I give this to you, Jesus. I know you can handle this. 
Because Jesus tells, a, tells us in scripture, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, Jesus says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, Jesus doesn't want us to be holding on to that roller coaster, that financial challenge, that toxic relationship, that stress that you're undergoing, the bad doctor's report, the surgery that's upcoming. We need to go ahead and turn that over to Jesus, surrender that to him, and ask him to carry that for us. Seek him first, sing to him, surrender to him, and then serve him. I've seen so many wonderful examples of servants in this church. It's unbelievable how friendly and active and vibrant this volunteer community is. You serve because you love Jesus. That's an awesome thing for me to see. Each of us should be doing this. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Find a way to pitch in and be a part of the team. Not because you're trying to score points with God, but because you do this because you want people to see Jesus Christ. Because when we live out our lives as Christ followers, non-believers see us and they say, I want what she has. I want what he has. And then the last thing is to share. I'll be back on Channel 13 tomorrow doing the news and being the storyteller for what had happened on Monday. But you are a storyteller of God's goodness, of God's grace, his forgiveness, his faithfulness, his healing. You have an opportunity to speak into your audience. What has God done in your life? Share that with the people in your life because when you do that, you're a storyteller for God. You're a Christ ambassador. And then that person who doesn't know God sees God at work in your life. And that's how we reach people for Jesus Christ is to share what God has done. 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Our hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ. There's hope for what you are going through. There's hope for what you're facing. There's hope for the trouble that you may be carrying and the stress and the challenges that you may be facing as well. The hope is found in Jesus Christ. So my question for you as I end is a question that I think is the most important question that we all face in life. It starts with the word who. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Is he someone that you just hear about on Sunday morning and then you go about your business the rest of the week? Is he someone that you've just heard a story or two about? Or is he your savior and Lord? I would argue that the most important question that you and I face in life is that very question. Who is Jesus to you? Jesus himself. He asks his friends, the disciples, that very question. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You see, Peter knew the answer because he had been walking with Jesus. He was in relationship with him. He had seen the miracles firsthand. He knew and believed and trusted in Jesus Christ. So my question again to you is, who is Jesus to you? Is he your savior and Lord? 
If that's the case, you go to heaven. But if you haven't taken that step, what is keeping you from accepting the greatest gift there is? We'll get lots of presents under the tree on Christmas morning, but none better than Jesus Christ. Jesus is the hope of the world. He offers everything to us, but we need to accept that gift by asking him to come into our hearts as Savior and Lord. The Bible says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. You see, Jesus isn't about to barge into your heart. He's knocking. And so if you're hearing this morning the small, still voice and that knock, that's Jesus wanting to be a part of your life in every way. That sin and shame that you've carried your entire life, that can be forgiven with one prayer. That can all be set aside, dropped into the depths of the deepest sea. A no fishing sign put up. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friend, there is no other way to heaven. There is no other way to the Father. Jesus Christ is the only hope that exists. With Jesus, you know you're going to heaven. When you ask him to become your Savior and your Lord, you get Jesus and the hope of heaven. But if you don't make him your Savior and Lord, you will spend eternity without God. And as a 12-year-old, I heard that Jesus was the only way to heaven. I didn't want to spend eternity in hell. I wanted Jesus today, and I want to be with the risen king when I get to heaven. The Bible says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There it is, another promise. If you tell Jesus, you are my savior, you will be saved. What a great promise. That's the hope that your heart is looking for. So if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, now is the time to do that. So in a moment, we're gonna pray. We'll close our eyes together and you'll have that opportunity as I extend the invitation to ask Jesus to come into your heart. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father, I thank you for this morning. I'm so thankful for this church, the ministry that is underway, and the people who are here loving and worshiping you. And so, Father, this morning, I pray for open hearts. I pray for the one who may be sitting here or listening to the sound of my voice who may have never taken the step of asking Jesus Christ to come into their heart. And so friend, you've heard the gospel, you've heard the promises. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart wanting to come in and forgive you, change you, and be the first one to welcome you whenever you end up in heaven. And so friend, all you need to do is pray a simple prayer. God will hear you, God will see you and God will answer your prayer. All you need to do is whisper these words, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but Jesus, I know you are the Savior. I repent from all my sin, and I believe that you will forgive me. Come into my heart, change me, lead me, and guide me. 
I believe in you, Jesus, and I give you my life. Just repeat that, I give you my life. Father, I am thankful for the one who has given their life to Jesus Christ. That person is now forgiven and free with a future in heaven. And Father, we know that your Bible, your word tells us there is great rejoicing in heaven for everyone who's lost that comes into faith in Jesus Christ. So we know there's a party going on right now in heaven. Father, we're thankful for each person here. We pray for the many prayer requests that are being lifted up. Father, we pray for healing. We pray for the darkness to be lifted. We pray, Jesus, that you would come in and minister to each person who is here. We're thankful for the hope that you offer us. We're thankful, Father, that you never fail us, that your name is greater than everything that we face. The name of Jesus Christ is to be praised. Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I hope that you've been blessed this morning. Can we one more time just express our appreciation to Scott and Janae? Thank you so much. We hope that you've been encouraged this morning. I don't think there's a better way to end this than to say amen. So let's say amen. 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 You are dismissed. Go in his peace. We'll see you next time.